You thought that you could have it all And life could be a ball But you fell and scabbed your knee Now you can be Hello and welcome to the Recovering CEO podcast. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm the Recovering CEO. We are here with an amazing guest today. Uh, his name is David Pasiak, and he's the founder and CEO of Flow Coach. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Awesome, man. Thank you for being here. And just to tell um, the audience a little bit about Flow Coach. So, uh, David is pioneering a new approach to flow based on his PhD research at Princeton on comparative mysticism in four books, which is Flow of Innovation, Empower, Disruption Revolution, and Red Bull to Buddha. Uh, anyone can learn a powerful system of flow practices to raise energy, lower stress, and be more creative, reduce fear, enhance focus, cultivate empathy, and emotional intelligence. Uh, David spent most of the last 12 years traveling internationally, giving talks and workshops, including three years living out of a small suitcase. Uh, he's excited to currently be back in Michigan, and we're excited, too, that we get to see him and to join his old friend Derek as a guest. So welcome, David. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with, uh, with you and with Flow Coach. Yeah, so uh, Flow Coach is, I would say, it's the culmination of about 25 years of practice and research. Uh, so there's lots of different approaches to meditation, breath work, yoga, different types of flow practices. Flow is a state of uh, oneness, a state of harmony, time stands still. You have this, this uh, it's associated with five, 5X increases in productivity and, and, and performance. So there's a lot of people who are interested in flow based upon interest in peak performance. Uh, but I think of flow as really our, um, becoming the best version of yourself, of a state of optimal experience and optimal purpose. So optimal experience in terms of heightened emotions and happiness, sense of awareness, and then hype, and then balancing that with an intense amount of focus. Uh, so it's great, it, it enhances your creativity, it enhances your energy, uh, it helps you to be more mindful and present, uh, to be still in calm in difficult situations, uh, so it's sort of like this state of kind of ultimate, ultimate experience. Yeah, I, I, I love that, man. And I, I, we've been talking about this for a while. And I know, yeah. you know, you've been an expert at this. You've been building over the years with all your experiences. Um, what kind of inspired you to create this new Flow Coach uh, program? Sure. So there were there were two big I'd say moments in my life. Uh, one of them was when I was uh, 19 years old, 1920. I had a lot of, uh, I, I suffered a kind of a, a breakdown and I had lots of really terrible panic and anxiety attacks uh, to the point where I couldn't even leave the house. And uh, conventional approaches to therapy and medication didn't work for me. And I knew deep down that all of these really difficult emotions that I was dealing with, that I felt like I needed to, to bring them to the surface and work through them and address them 
and that taking medication to kind of blunt them didn't make sense for me. And so that put me on this path to become really interested in studying meditation, breath work, yoga. I, I, went, I went back to school. I, I dropped out of school because of all that stuff. I went back to school. I got near perfect grades, studied in, in religious studies, went on to get a master's at Arizona State, then went on to Princeton for PhD studies. So I started studying comparative mysticism. I started studying all these different approaches to, to flow. And I developed a way of uh, a, a system of practices to basically uh, heal myself, to create new memories, to work through all these complex emotions, and ultimately uh, irreversibly uh, shift my flow to, to get over these panic and anxiety attacks and all the difficulties that I had emotionally. Uh, so as I work through that, uh, I've, I've continued to, to do these practices over the last 25 years. Uh, I, I spent about 12 years, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, traveling, giving lots of talks and workshops. And I started to realize, I'm sure probably a lot of listeners are, that maybe the, the first year or so when you're not in an office is really kind of great. But the, after maybe a year or two, you start to experience challenges with isolation, uh, challenges with being by yourself. It actually becomes uh, it becomes really challenging to work from home when you're by yourself and you're not connected with people on a constant day-to-day -day basis. So then over the last, over that 12 years, I started developing systems of practices to raise my energy for when I needed to speak and be on stage. And then I would do other practices to enhance my creativity when I was working on a book or a new project. And so I started to systematize and realize there were certain practices I could do when I needed to have a certain type of flow in my life. But that's always been kind of my sort of secret weapon. It hasn't been the thing that I really have been known for as, as a speaker. Uh, most of my work uh, focused on innovation, co-creation, uh, looking at team flow and how, and how entrepreneurs, uh, the flow of entrepreneurship. Uh, but last, in, in the beginning of 2020, I had, uh, I got really, really sick uh, to the point where I couldn't get out of bed for about three months. I had terrible issues with my digestive system. And it was a similar type of situation to when I faced when I was 19, 20 years old, where doctors were telling me I was going to need to take all this chronic medication. I might need surgery. There were all types of problems with my digestive system. And uh, I ultimately refused to, to follow that path. I, I've, I always believed in the, in the innate power of the body to heal. And so I started to do all of these different energy practices to focus on healing my gut. And over the course of three months, I lost uh, 35 pounds and uh, I got into the best physical shape of my life. I remember going back to the doctor and I got a, it. He goes, get on the scale again, because he couldn't believe that I had lost so much weight and gone through such a huge transformation in the course of about three months. Uh, he was expecting that I would have some type of follow-up or I might need more medication or surgery or something like that. Uh, and at the same time, during that time, I still had one consulting client. So uh, I needed to, uh, and I needed to work because of, for, for a variety of reasons. And so I basically... Uh, I could only get out of bed for maybe two, three hours a day. And so what I started to do was I started to visualize that I, how I would do the work. 
And it was almost like when I got out of bed and I sat down on my laptop, it experientially, it felt like I was just sort of channeling all of the work that I needed to do. Like in my mind, I had removed all the obstacles or I had removed all the challenges. And uh, I was able to complete basically a full day of work in about two or three hours. And I made this kind of pact with myself that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who are in recovery have done this where they've They've woken up one day and go, oh, my God, if you just get me through this, I'm going to change my life. And I made a pact with myself where I was like, if I get through this and I fully recover and I become the best version of myself and I do the transformation that I know I'm capable of doing, that I'm going to then dedicate my life to teaching these practices. And so I've spent basically the last two years, uh, I've read uh, over 500 books and worked on mapping all of the work that I've been doing these practices to the latest scientific research. And that's what's led to developing the system of flow practices. Oh, I, I love that, man. I love that. Um, I love how you're share, sharing your experience, strength and hope with others. And I love how you're dedicating your life to it. Um, similar in many ways, I, I think of like, I'm trying to do the recovering CEO, really trying to help people in recovery to raise awareness, you know, with um, corporations who have employees who may be suffering from addiction, because addiction is one of those things that, as you know, it's it's never really talked about. A lot of people, a lot of people just keep it in the back of their mind, in the back of their. Um, nobody ever talks about it. They just think people have problems or mental health issues or uh, attendance issues. You know, they don't realize that the person's suffering from addiction. So I'm trying to raise that awareness, um, and in essence, you know, because you talk about being the best best version of yourself. I know for me that involved getting sober first, because once I got sober, then I was able to, you know, act in a way. So can you tell us how, how could maybe some of these flow practices help people who are trying to get sober or live their lives in recovery? Sure. So I think whether you're dealing with something like addiction or whether you're dealing with something like even like depression or anxiety or different types of mental health issues a lot of times the the root cause you think of the addiction or the depression or anxiety as the symptom but there's some type of underlying root cause and i think the underlying root cause of 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 things like that is there's a there's a there's a kind of a sense of lack that that something is missing inside of you and a lot of times people are compensating for that with substances people compensate with buying too many things, they, they compensate with constantly trying to, to desire and think that something outside of them is going to fill this, this void or their, this, this gap inside of them. And so with, with flow practices, what you're doing is you're cultivating a sense of, of inner well-being. So there's, there's three main energy centers in your body. There's an energy center in, in your gut, there's an energy center in your, your heart, and there's an energy center in, in your mind. Uh, the gut tends to be the, the center that's associated with more kind of physical energy. So you think of energy when you need to go to a, a meeting or you need to kind of do something where you're, you're physically present, you're, you have a lot of vitality. Um, a lot of times people, if uh, they may be missing that in their life and they think they need to have a substance, which gives them a lot of energy. And so, you know, if, like if you're going into a a sales meeting or you're doing something that's very performance driven, a lot of people uh, find themselves in addictive patterns because they're taking clients out for drinks. They're constantly trying to keep this kind of ex exciting momentum going. And then when they stop drinking, 
or when they stop doing doing uh, different types of substances, there's this kind of crash. And so I think with um, with flow practices, you can add that vitality, you can add that energy, you can also reconnect with your heart center, which is great for emotional intelligence, for relationships, you can help to spark your creativity, your, your sense of, of vision, focus. So there's all these different types of practices that you can do for different aspects of who you are. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I love the idea of getting in the flow, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, because sometimes I struggle with procrastination. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just, I dread the work, right? Like there's work that needs to get done and, and I'm not very good at it. So I wait and wait and wait. And what you talked about with flow, I thought it was very interesting because you were saying you were able to do as much work as a normal person would do in an entire day. You were doing it in two to three hours. Then you were able to like exercise and do all these positive things that really makes life go, right? I mean, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. How, how did that work? So what, what I realized is that... Um, so if you think of this idea that you can be five times as productive when you're in flow as, as you would otherwise, you can start to think of how you can reorganize your day. So you can, you can do in two to three hours of really intense deep work, you can do the amount of work, the amount of outputs, the amount of results that you might typically do in an entire day. And the, the, the typical approach, a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just going to then work, you know, all, all day. Well, actually, what, what I found is you can't really maintain that level of intensity for an entire day. But what you can do is start to plan your life in a way where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do my, uh, I might do my really intense work, my, my deep work, focused work in the mornings. So I typically will do two, three hours of my most intense work in the mornings and then I'll take a, take a long break for lunch, and then I'll do busy work in the afternoons, uh, which busy work might be taking uh, sales calls, it might be doing emails, it's the type of thing that doesn't require a lot of intense creative energy and focus. And then I typically will take my, my evenings off, and I use my evenings for time for stimulating my mind, so either reading or taking a long walk or doing things like that, and so what I find is that like a typical entrepreneur, there's this sort of like hustle mentality. You have to constantly be working and you have to constantly be doing things. And a lot of times when our people are in that mode, what ends up happening is they might get an, a, a burst of inspiration, let's say late at night, and then they start working really intensely, but then they don't sleep well. And so the next day isn't productive. And actually what you find is that they're, there are all these kind of cycles of like up and down of intense productivity and then not being productive for two, three days, you actually get less done than if you were just consistently working two to three hours a day of doing your really intense, most, most deep work at a particular time during the day. Hmm. I personally find it's best for me to do it in the mornings. Some people are evening people, but it's, it's helpful to find a particular time of the day and block that out. Uh, it's the same thing with writing. It's the same with thing with any type of creative work. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting up earlier and earlier. You know, I really, the mornings are great. You know, I love uh, coffee <laughs> and I love having coffee in the morning. And it just, it really is a good time to focus because it's quiet. Um, so I've been, I've been doing that as well. That's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. Um, and uh, so, so tell me, like, I know you have some, 
program and classes coming out? Is that, mm -hmm. are you going to launch that uh, 2022? What's the plan for some of these programs you have coming? Yeah, so the first program is going to be available in uh, April. And so that's going to be, so the, I call it the flow life design system. And it's based upon what I call a situational subconscious manifestation. So the idea is that in any situation, you can manifest a particular particular type of flow by tapping into the power of your subconscious. So your subconscious is 90% of who you are, which means that consciously, everything that you're doing throughout the day, you're only use a lot of times you're only consciously using 10% of your brain power, 10% of your ability, and the ability to tap into this kind of 90% of more creativity, more ideas, more energy inside of you, it releases a tremendous amount of of opportunity for you, a lot of unre a lot of unrealized potential. Uh, so that that class will be uh, six weeks. Uh, the way that I approach it is I go through, I call them uh, four four different archetypes. So I try to teach flow based upon the type of situation, the type of role that you might play. So the first archetype would be the the sovereign or the the king or the queen, the uh, the role that you play when you need to be a leader. So you think of what is a leader? A leader is very service oriented. A leader needs to be calm under pressure. A, lead, a leader needs to be fearless. Leader, leader needs to be trusted. So the, so the first step around that are practices that are one to five minutes long, very short practices that you can do to, to, to either raise your energy, to have more focus, to be to walk into a situation and not be rattled by any type of external stressor or, or trigger. So that's the first category. Uh, the second category is what you would call the compassion or, or, or lover. Uh, the, the lover is someone who is deeply empathetic, who has strong relationships, strong connections with other people, who lives with compassion and empathy. Uh, so those are, serious, those are practices to open up your heart center uh, to be more empathetic, to be more attuned to other people's emotional needs. Uh, so that's great for, um, it's great for if you're doing client work and you need to understand the needs of your clients and understand their pain points and problems. It's also great for, of course, your personal relationships as well. So then there's another series of five practices around that. Uh, then there's practices around creativity. So creativity would be uh, the magician or the wizard. So you think of someone who's who has to come up with lots of visionary ideas and storytelling that's the product that's the type of person that would be typically associated with advertising or marketing so practices around creativity vision focus things like that and then the last category is the the archetype of the warrior so the warrior is someone who needs to be physically strong you think of, of get you think of you know, getting in front of stage, or you think of going to a meeting or going to a networking event where you have to have this kind of strong energy and presence to go out there and meet new people and, and build confidence and establish confidence with people that you've, you've never met before. Uh, so these four types of archetypes, uh, the, by approaching it that way, you can start to think, okay, who do I want to be like? How do I want to be in this particular situation? I've got maybe three to five minutes before a big meeting, what type of practice could I do to raise my energy? Or I'm gonna sit down and do a lot of intense deep work and creative stuff. I need to come up with some ideas. What can I do around that? 
so it's taking these all these different practices from meditation, from yoga, from qigong, uh, these these different uh, mystical flow practices, and putting them in a sort of modern kind of accessible container that makes them easy for people to access and understand. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting! Um, yeah, actually, all four of those archetypes are things that I would want to uh, be better at, right? In different situations. Yeah. Is it possible to, to practice and learn all four? Is it more like, is it people going to do just one or how does, how's that going to work? Uh, do you have to choose? So they'll, you... yeah. So no, no. So, so there'll be, there'll be six weeks. The first week okay. is just kind of getting people oriented, uh, teaching them to think about how they can break up their day and organize their day according to different types of flow and also mm -hmm. self-assessment. Then we'll go through each of the four archetypes for the next four weeks. And then the last week will be kind of a wrap up, looking at how you integrate them into your life, how you build sequences of practices as well. Uh, I'm also including recommended sequences of practices. So if I'm entering a creative period, th these are the types of practices that you might do every day. If I'm entering a period with, of a lot of stress and uncertainty, these are the other ones. So mm -hmm. I'm helping to kind of give a sort of it's kind of like a recipe or like a personal training approach to, um, to flow. Mm -hmm. So similar to how, if you would go to a gym, uh, you know, the, and you met with a personal trainer, the personal trainer would say, okay, what are your goals? And they would start to build a routine and things based upon where you're at and what you need. I try and take a similar approach to, as, as that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, all of this is rooted in the, the latest science, looking at the science around the nervous system, the science around attachment, on the types of things that trigger anxiety, how to sort of de-escalate those anxiety triggers, how to de-escalate stress. Okay. And I think that, and when you think of your, your particular audience and people who are in recovery or who are trying to understand recovery, uh, I think that one of the one of the biggest challenges when you're coming out of out of uh, a cycle of, of of substance abuse is you have to kind of reconnect with who you are. You have to think of what does it mean to live a fulfilling life where I'm not drinking or I'm not using. How can I start to reconnect with my you know with with people? And so these four archetypes these are really the um, they're the most common archetypes. So there's, these are typically taught. Uh, among psychologists as well, in terms of, you know, the type of person you want to be in particular situations. Okay. Well, that'll be good, man. I'm excited for you to start those and we'll definitely um, promote them, you know, as, as they come up. Uh, and it's interesting, I'll, I'll share some techniques with you too. I've learned, you know, I've been yeah. learning some different marketing techniques on how to get the word out as far as messaging and stuff. And um, so I know you have a big network, but I will help, you know, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, awesome. So are these going to be like online classes, David, are they going to be, uh, virtual or are we going to be in person? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be online. Uh, so the way that I've, the way that I've set up the class and what I recommend is, so I've, I've used uh, an approach that's called active learning. So active learning is the, the science of learning by doing and helping people to commit things to memory. Mm -hmm. So the way the, the way the class will be set up is there are, uh, so there, there are video teaching modules each week, then there are group coaching classes, and then you have access to all the individual recordings around the practices. Uh, what I'm going to recommend is that people pick basically one practice to learn each week. And the, the way that 
So the way that our memory works is if you're doing a practice at the set at a set time each day of the week for four or five days in a row, by the end of those five days, you're going to end up committing that practice to memory. And so to help people build habits, uh, I've also allowed people to add practices to their calendar. So you can add the instructions and a click and a link back to the instructions in your Google calendar, have it on your phone or whatever. Uh, and then I've also created uh, Asana and Trello boards so people can actually plan their, their practices based upon their, how their day goes. Uh, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to use those things, but those are, those are ways in which can help build you, help you to develop habits. Mm-hmm. Ultimate, I mean, ultimately, in a similar way that if you were to go to a gym, you might have, let's say, uh, a, a few training sessions with a personal trainer to learn how to use the equipment and then eventually you go off and do it yourself. That's my goal. I want people to get to a point where they can learn these practices and then not have to use the, use the class, you know, to get to mm-hmm. a point where it becomes part of their, part of their routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I need help with this. You know, I think it's interesting, David, because once I started the recovering CEO, which has only really been out there for a few months, you know, just kind of publishing this podcast and, trying to put content out there. It's uh, I do feel like I kind of hit that flow state, you know, where you kind mm-hmm. of lo- lose, like you lose track of time and you just kind of plow through things. And it's, it's very satisfying. And then I'm like, Whoa, you know, I really can be productive or it's amazing the work that I can get done, you know, in a short amount of time. It's, it's so satisfying, yeah. you know, because, you know, it's kind of like when I was growing up, um, my mom used to say, you spend more time complaining about cleaning your room than it would take to clean your room. You know, I mean, I could clean my room in two minutes, but I just you so know, true. about it for, for two hours. You know? So I think it's a real change in consciousness that would help a lot of people. Right. Find, yeah. I mean, for happiness. me, for me, I, I really want people to become aware of their their full potential as human beings. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing is, because so if you think of 90 percent of who you are as subconscious, it means that basically 90 percent of who you are is doing habitual things that you've learned from the past. And so a lot of times when people think about their future, they're actually thinking about their future from, the, from, the, from, where, from where they are in the present, which is actually looking at their future from the perspective of their past. There's all this potential inside of people that they're, they're largely not aware of. Most people can be much more creative, they can have much more energy, they can be much more emotionally intelligent and connect with people. They can have all, much more compassion, much more vitality. They have all these qualities, but they've somehow become attached to this certain way of being from their past, and they're they're totally unaware of this this possible possibility and sense of potentiality within them. So that's that's the thing that most excites me is like I've, you know, I I I feel in a way I feel grateful that I've discovered these practices, that I had these types of. Um, challenging experiences in the past that forced me to to find them and develop this this system and now it's it's my mission to to share it with anyone Mm -hmm. wow david this is so interesting you know uh there was a person i interviewed on the podcast um last week uh, his name tj woodward he teaches this thing called conscious recovery Mm -hmm. where he taught he talks about how he um he helps people kind of revert or find their their true self that they were like when they were born, that perfect yeah. being, you know, to go back towards that. And um, he was actually a minister, you know, as well. He worked with Marianne Williamson and some different, you know, ministers, but um, there's some overlap in that, right? Because kind of like realizing yeah. your true potential, finding your true self, taking away all the things that were blocking you from it. 
right? So that you can be productive and more powerful or more uh, creative, you know, more loving, all those things, right? That we all want, but it's hard to find. Uh, I think we get lost. Well, it reminds me, I mean, one of, so one of the big parts of, of recovery is this idea of connecting with your higher power. Uh, that actually, you, you may not know this, but the idea of being spiritual but not religious is something that was popularized and started within AA. It started with that idea of connecting with your higher power regardless of, 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 of religion. Uh, and I think a lot of times, so a lot of times people think about higher power as just like, I just have to sort of, you know, follow my heart. And I think there, I, so I, I try and teach it actually a little more, you might say sort of consciously or strategically. So I think about connecting with your power in the context of flow. So you, this is one of the practices that I, that I teach in, in the system. So starting off by opening up your heart and really kind of unburdening yourself, the things that are, you feel like are holding you back. And part of that is, is kind of expressing your most authentic self from the heart. But then you move from the heart into the head as you start to have a vision or you start to try and articulate a vision for your life and, and your story. You're, as you move from the heart into your head, you're also moving from focusing on yourself to, smoke, to focusing on your relationship with the world. So it's, your, it's like you're going from I to we. You're trying to tell the story of how your life is going to impact the, the world around you. And then when you think of the last step, the impact, you think about your, you're appealing to your higher power. What wants to happen in my life? What is the impact that I should have? What are the immediate steps that I should take? What, and you're, you're really seeking guidance and focus for the decisions in your life. So you think of this flow of the heart, mind, and body in terms of, of opening up your heart, having a vision for your impact and the, the particular steps that you should do in your life. Um, you know, a lot of times there's, a lot of misconceptions around or, or a lot of kind of baggage associated with the higher power because people think of different religions or think of different spiritual belief systems or stuff like that. I think the concept of connecting with the higher power is trying to find a greater plan and purpose for your life. You don't need to believe in anything. You just need to believe in yourself and you need to believe. And so it's really about this sort of sense of possibility of what you can become and the impact that you can have. And I think, and I think with, with recovery, you need to have a sense of that. What is, it's not just about higher power is about your higher purpose, your greater purpose in life. You know, what, what am I going to do now that I'm not uh, just sort of feeding this, these kind of self-serving things inside of me. Now that I want, I want to go out and serve. I want to be a better parent or father or employer or boss or, you know, member of my community. What, is, what does that actually look like? People need to discover that. They need to, they need to define that for themselves. That's a big part of, of recovery. 100%, man, 100%. I love this. I love this. Well, you know, I'm, sure that's, so what, I'm sure that's partly why you're doing this podcast, right? Yes. It's like after, yes. after being in recovery and being a leader and all of this stuff, this is the, doing this is the next evolution of your personal leadership or your, your personal mission, right? This is part of your higher power is calling you to do this, right? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's just a strong feeling where I feel a strong yeah. intuition that this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So, and the, 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 the hard, the hard thing about patterns of, of addiction is that you're, um, you're cutting yourself off from that inner voice. 
So when when you when people have been using, they are they're feeding a sense of immediate gratification, and that's blocking out the voice inside of them that's telling that might be telling them to do something else or telling them to think about other people's needs or stuff like that. And so this goes back to this idea I talked about at the beginning that when you're when you're first getting into recovery, there's this kind of this feeling of a kind of a, a sort of gaping hole, a kind of sense of like a loss of like of identity and purpose and meaning. And I think uh, finding your higher power becomes incredibly important. And of course, these practices help to, to do that as, as well. Perfect, man. Perfect. When you get this program rolling, I, I want to have you back on. Maybe we can do another, maybe a live video interview or something, because I really want to get the word sure. out about this. Because yeah, I'm trying to make that. an impact. And I know you're, you're about to make an impact. I mean, these, these teachings are wonderful. And um, you're right about connecting with your higher power, finding your higher purpose, moving beyond just the comforts of food, sex, drugs, alcohol. I don't need that. But what I need is to be a yeah. purpose in life, right? To help others. Yeah. That's when you can really be happy. Yeah, I think that, so, so the, the big shift for me with these practices is that, um, you know, historically they were taught in monasteries or taught in ashrams or taught in, taught in environments where they're totally isolated and, and removed from the challenges of, of daily life. And there's really very little emphasis placed upon how do I go from doing this practice to being a good person in my daily life? And so what I want to do is kind of flip that and say, okay, uh, you know, a lot of people say, I, I don't have time to meditate five or 10 minutes a day, or I don't have time to do this, or I don't have time to do that. I want to teach people how to organize their life and then look at these kind of gaps, these moments during their day, that it might take just two or three minutes to connect with themselves, two or three minutes to raise their creativity or have more energy, have more focus. You know, or you, or you get the end, you get to the end of a very long, stressful day, uh, taking a taking a few minutes to kind of hit the off switch and sort of connect with your heart before you go with your family, so you don't take you end up taking your anger or frustration out on them. There's ways in which we can manage these transitions from from one role to the next, and I think that's that's really critical. It's the flow from doing one challenging thing to another that a lot of people. I think that's those moments, those, those sort of moments of friction, that, that's what I really want to help remove. Hmm. I can so relate. You know, I, I struggle with yeah. transitions. Whenever we go on a trip, my anxiety goes up and I struggle and it's, I'm difficult, you know, around yeah. the family or, or sometimes when I come home from work, the transition to seeing the wife and kids is stressful. Yeah. And, um, and I don't always come in in the best frame of mind. Right. So you're, you can help with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the aha moment for, for me around that was when I got into to speaking and I might, I might, I had situations where I might have, you know, five or six speaking engagements over the context of, of a month or, or two months. And I might be going to, you know, six, seven, eight different countries. I have all this uncertainty. I had to keep my energy and focus up. I had, to, I, I realized that, um, I, I had to do that. I had to, to get to the point where I feel fully present when I'm on stage in front of, you know, a thousand or more people. Um, that's, that's really challenging. You know, I mean, I mean, statistically people have said that speaking in front, public speaking people have greater fear of that than they do of dying. Mm -hmm. Hey, so I know you traveled a lot of places. You spoke in a lot yeah. of different countries. What, what was your favorite place that you visited? 
Um, my favorite place that I visited, it's, it's hard to say, is, is as far as I would say spiritually and in, and, and in terms of in spirituality and inspiration, uh, probably Ladakh in, in northern India. Uh, and then I, I really love my time in Thailand. Uh, as far as um, also really love my time in Macedonia in this area called Lake Okrid, which is uh, it's kind of like a, a pilgrimage site for um, Eastern Orthodox. Uh, and then um, I would say in terms of cities, I really loved uh, Bangkok, Berlin, uh, Budapest, and, and I love my time living in New York City as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've never been to, uh, I've been to Bangkok, but uh, Berlin and Budapest are on my list. So got to make it out there. Yeah. So, all right, man. And how long are you planning to stay in Michigan? Are you planning by year for now or what's, where are you going? Where are you going next? Do you know yet? I'm playing, I'm playing it for year by year for now. Uh, I'm planning to go somewhere probably in April when, once, once I launch these. Okay. Uh, awesome. I'm thinking of actually going to, to Mexico for a couple months and then I'm not sure where. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, David, uh, I really, really appreciate you being on the Recovering CEO podcast. I think this whole flow coach and getting in the flow is an amazing concept. I'm glad you're teaching it. And uh, again, we'll have you back when the program is launched. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks yeah. to all the guests who have listened to the end. I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a million different things to do in your life. And I appreciate you taking the time to to, to stay with us to the end. I hope you got a lot out of it. I really am grateful to be here. Heck yes. And you could find David online at flowcoach.co. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. Flowcoach.co. I will put the link um, to David in the show notes. So thank you, podcast listeners. Stay safe, stay sober, and get in the flow. And we'll see you next time on The Recovering CEO. Thanks again, David. Thank you. You thought that you could have it all And life could be a ball But you fell and scabbed your knee